Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to another Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down everything Mizzou Sports with you here on the show every week. Usually I'll be joined by our sports editor, Kevin Grayler. Uh, we, but as some of you might know, we recorded an episode earlier today that had a little bit of technical difficulties with it. I apologize. To be honest with you, I don't really even know what happened because only about a quarter of the episode got dubbed over, but not the entire thing, and I used the same server. And I'm sure a lot of you really aren't interested in that, so we'll keep it to Mizzou Sports for right now. I'm just re-recording the opening here. Uh, where, you know, before we get into the interviews with Mark Weiser, the Athens Banner Herald, and Justin Ferguson, the Athletic, uh, discussing SEC Media Days, this will just kind of be an interview portion, one of these uh, podcasts, you know. Kevin and I will do something early next week before we actually go on vacation at the end of next week, uh, kind of recapping the Kreklos retiring from Mizzou Volleyball, my SEC Media Days ballot, uh, our basketball stories uh, from Media Day today will be out by then. So we'll have a little bit of stuff to discuss and probably some NCAA uh, appeal stuff by then and maybe we'll add some another interview or something to make next week's episode pretty special as well but without further ado hope you guys enjoyed the rest of this episode here are my interviews with mark weiser georgia beat writer for the athens banner herald and justin ferguson uh auburn football beat writer for the athletic hello from sc Media's. i'm eric blum from the columbia daily tribune joined by mark weiser of the athens banner herald georgia beat writer for a little while now why don't you just tell me a little bit more about yourself I've uh, covered the uh, Bulldogs since 2003, so uh, it's not my first SEC media days here. But it is mine. Yeah. Uh, so, well, did, do you like do you like uh, Dr Pepper? Because uh, there'll, be, there'll be a you'll have your fill of Dr Pepper. Um, I used to have uh, what's that Alabama chip company? They used to be a sponsor. I don't think they are anymore. The SEC. Uh, Freedom? Uh, no, no. Not Blaze. Uh, not, not. I can't remember. I don't know either. Uh, Free? No, no. I can I can think of it. No, I just can't think of the name of it. Um, Google it. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, but yes, it is mine. Uh, I already see a Dr Pepper. Machine Golden Flake. It. it just came to me. Golden I, Flake. I didn't even look it up. Okay, there you go. But uh, yeah, my, my first first time in the state of Alabama actually right now. But uh, we're here to talk some SEC football. More so, I would think Mizzou fans, their path into the national conversation this year, their biggest roadblock probably would be Georgia, you know, the team that's heavily favored in the SEC. Do you kind of see it that way? It's kind of, you know, Georgia's half of the division to lose or half of the conference to lose? Uh, right, but Missouri's got, like, NCAA penalties, and they can't go to Atlanta unless they get that overturned. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, the thought is not only from Mizzou, but we talked to Phil Steele on the podcast a little while ago. The thought is everybody's pretty confident involved. You never be too confident with the NCAA, but people were thinking that 
it'll be overturned come a month from now. Okay, so the question it, then is, is Georgia it, the biggest uh, obstacle for... Should it get overturned like I think many Mizzou fans want, right. all Mizzou fans want, and right. I think a lot of the public wants, right. is Georgia, you know, does Georgia feel like, the, you know, not only the biggest obstacle in Mizzou's way, but, you know, Georgia fans would be really disappointed if they don't even make it to Atlanta. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I think the focus is on Alabama from the fan base. It's not really on Florida. It's not on Missouri. It's not on the rest of the, the division. Um, you know, they've made it back-to-back. Uh, they, three in a row, I think Florida, maybe under Spurrier was the last time that's happened in the East. I could be wrong. I think I looked that up and wrote about it even at one stage. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Georgia's national championship aspirations, playoff aspirations, uh, that's kind of the MO for them. And they were very disappointed last year when they uh, fell flat against Texas in the Sugar Bowl because they didn't really care about that game, uh, you know, when they had the, the playoff there uh, at their grasp. If you can see a team from the East who has the best shot at knocking off Georgia, who would it be? And, and, and I guess an acceptable answer is there is no one. Yeah, I mean, mean, last year, I I don't think anyone would have expected that Georgia would have to go to Kentucky um, with a winner-take-all game in November. Uh, So, you know, can someone sneak up and and be a surprise in the East and have a chance to knock off Georgia? I think so. Um, Do I think they will? Probably not. Um, I would probably think Florida because it's in Jacksonville. They're a a top-10 team last year. Um, Missouri's got to come to Georgia this year. Um, So I think Florida would be the biggest obstacle, but, I mean, Georgia, blew him out in the second half last year, so I don't know how uh, Georgia's a heavy favorite for a reason, I think. Yeah, I think Georgia's probably going to be favored in every single game they play until until they would probably get to Atlanta, no matter who the opponent is, and they might be favored in Atlanta if Alabama gets tripped up, but yeah. we'll see about that. Uh, just just from an, from an outside perspective, in a, I guess it's Blue Blood or an SEC town as there is in Athens, maybe. Maybe Tuscaloosa kind of likes a little more, but someone who's definitely been in the conference for a while. How do you think Missouri's perception around the conference is? Are they still definitely an outsider or are they kind of being accepted more how, how would how would you see that i mean i think you know when they came in the conference in 2012 right i mean i think texas a&m is probably less of an outsider because of their football tradition and 100,000 seat stadium and you know missouri hasn't been able to draw as well uh, but they've given georgia some uh, they gave them a pretty good test last year uh, georgia um was it 43 28 maybe somewhere in that range i think it was yeah, I think the spread was 13 and ended up being 13. I don't know. Maybe that score was from the year before. But I, I mean, I, I think it was 41. Drew, Drew Lock, uh, maybe. Yeah, Drew Lock. Maybe that was the Athens game. But but Drew Lock had a big game in Athens. And then last year they needed um, Eric Stokes to, to make a big play on a, on a uh, on a punt block. I think it was, and um, they had an interception return for a touchdown. So that was a more of a dicey game than they probably expected. And. Uh, you know, I don't think necessarily you hear much Georgia-Missouri talk from the Georgia fan base just because they have so many other big games on their schedule with Notre Dame, Auburn, all their rivalries, Georgia Tech, Tennessee. Um, but, I mean, Missouri did go back-to-back uh, to the SEC East uh, champion, you know, winning the SEC East pretty early uh, in their in their run in the conference. Uh, the crossover game this year is is Auburn, or the cross is that the game uh, the West team you guys play every year? Every year it's Georgia Auburn, um, and okay. uh, it was like in thirteen fourteen Georgia had to go back to back years because of Missouri and Texas A and M coming the conference. They had to adjust the schedules, and, and Georgia fans were very unhappy that they had to go to a, a tough place to play back to back and. Uh, 
so next year in 2020 that game Georgia Auburn is going to be moved up uh, from November where it's been to October uh, the president of UGA mentioned that to us when we pressed him on it at a board meeting uh, this year but um, the crossover game this year for Georgia um, why am I drawing a blank on it it's, it's, it, well if it's not Alabama it's not it's Texas A&M it's, their first, it's okay. the first time Georgia and Texas A&M have played since Texas A&M has been the conference okay. and Georgia's got to wait until 2024 I think it is which is crazy to actually play a game at Texas A&M which is like the end of the cycle of you go through everybody in the conference yeah Missouri doesn't play in Auburn until 2022. I, right. I I think that maybe I don't I don't know who the last, the last visit would be. It might, actually it might might be Starkville off, right off the top of my head. The last uh, SEC city Missouri will visit. They went to Tuscaloosa last year. Actually yeah. actually it might be Baton Rouge. Now that I think more about it, um, but because I think that they actually might go to Starkville next next year. But and uh, what is it? While you, while you look it up real quick. No, I was just looking up and making sure I was saying Missouri back to back. It was thirteen to fourteen. Um, you're asking me. I don't have the future oh, oh, that's, that, that's what I thought, that's what I thought you were. No, looking, no, that's what no. I thought you were looking up. No. Uh, but overall, you said that kind of Georgia is you know perceiving itself to be the heavy favorite and obviously being kind of ranked as either the third or fourth best team in the country by majorly yeah, every other yeah, poll. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Is there something you know or have seen from the team to this point that might launch? them into the conversation with Alabama or Clemson? I think they're already in the conversation, except for the fact that those teams have national titles. Georgia doesn't since 1980. Um, So, I mean, they're recruiting at the same level as Alabama. Clemson's, I guess, ahead maybe in the 20. 21, or I guess it's 2020 recruiting rankings, but Georgia's in the top five. I mean, you know, I think Georgia, Alabama, and Clemson are the schools that people talk about most for, you know, I mean, Georgia's not necessarily at that level because they haven't done it, you know, they haven't been as many national championship games as those two programs and won as many, but they're really close. Do you have a personal expectation just from you see, what you've seen about how the season's going to unfold for Georgia? I mean, so they, they had to kick off uh, their top returning receiver, Jeremiah Holloman, uh, like three weeks, a month ago. So that was already the weakest position in terms of depth. They, they took big hits uh, in the NFL draft, lost Riley Ridley, right. uh, lost um, Nicole Hardman, who went to the Chiefs uh, in the, the second round. Uh, both those guys were juniors. They lost Terry Godwin. They lost another junior tight end, Isaac Nauta. Um, so... Well, the last thing they needed was to lose their their best wideout. Now they do have uh, they do have a, a guys coming in Lawrence Cager out of Miami, a grad transfer, and they signed uh, five star George Pickens out of Hoover, Alabama, where we're sitting right now. Ah, okay, uh, got him away from Auburn, which I thought you know, he was committed to them at one point. Um, so they're going to need those guys. I mean, they got a really good quarterback in Jake Fromm, uh, but you know what what the chemistry is going to look like with those guys. Uh, I mean, you can't just give the ball to DeAndre Swift and uh, Zamir White. Georgia fans hope he's coming off a torn ACL, uh, but they have probably, you know, if not the best, one of the top two or three offensive lines in the nation. You mentioned earlier that you know you think maybe Texas A&M is a little more of an insider in the conference than Missouri might be at this point. What would be the next thing that you think Missouri could be able to do to be launched into that conversation where they're more of a in the fraternity as opposed to pledging the fraternity in a sense? 
I think it's probably just the passion of the fan base, and I, and I could be wrong. I mean, is it a basketball school? Or is it a football school? I think, in my personal opinion, it's a wrestling school. <laughs> it's a wrestling school. And, so, and, 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 and SC and, does not have wrestling. They're, yeah. they're, they've not lost the match since they've been in wrestling. I mean, the wrestling's probably the most dominant team across the sport. If we're talking second, I probably would, would say football at this point. I mean, basketball last season took a step back. Right. Especially with, you know, being the that both the Jonte era ended poorly. Michael Porter Jr. never got off its feet. Right, right. So, basketball team has incredible potential for right. a fan base, but hasn't quite lived up to anything it's been drawn out to be since getting a top five recruiting class, I think, three years ago, where they had not only Michael Porter Jr., but Jeremiah Tillman right. and a few other players. Yeah, I mean, I think losing Drew Locke and then, then having a, an impact transfer, uh, you know, Barry Odom's won, what, more games every year in his three years of, of coaching, I think. Yes. So, you know, if he can continue to build it, you know, keep where it was, um, I mean, what's a, what's a really good season for Missouri? Is it, um, you know, getting like Florida was last year where you're in a uh, New Year's Six Bowl. Um, that would certainly do it. Yeah. So, I, but but there's a, there's a few things I'd say. A New Year's Six Bowl. Well, winning a bowl. I guess you guys lost your bowl game last year. They did. Oklahoma State. Right, no, right. That was not a good Drew Locke game for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, it, it'd be a New Year's Six Bowl regardless of how that result goes. I think that and, and the sad part was Mizzou. That's what the 2018 season for me as the high school reporter at the time for the trip uh, will most remember the season as. Missouri was two plays away from probably playing in the Citrus Bowl against Michigan. Michigan. Mm-hmm. One play against Kentucky goes differently. One play against South Carolina goes differently. They're ten and two, right? And playing in a New Year's Bowl. Instead, they're playing in Memphis in the Liberty Bowl. And not saying that Memphis is not a great city, but it's 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 a, a background bowl compared to the the Rose Bowl and even even the Outback Bowl and other bowls like that. That so yes, correcting those mistakes in this season. And then I think any trip to Atlanta, a win over sure. Georgia would definitely do sure. it. Uh, regardless of how likely those things are, I'm not sure. I mean, Missouri definitely has way more red flags than a team like Georgia does. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they're unlike a team like Georgia who has a sole focus and very few things would satisfy the entire fan base, I think Missouri has a few routes it could take. Yeah. I mean, uh, is, there, is there one of those you think would be most sufficient or anything like that? What, what do you mean most sufficient? Uh, from how Georgia... Georgia wasn't always the team who nipping at the heels of a national championship right. since 1980. Is there one of those three or something that worked for Georgia to launch themselves to where they currently are? I think Missouri. Fans well, I mean, uh, people would probably say a coaching change. Uh, Mark Rick had kind of kept the program at a certain level, which was a very high level. Uh, you know, a lot of programs would be happy to win, you know, ten games every year. And but you know, he hadn't played for a national championship. Uh, it wasn't a, a fourteen playoff. Then he probably would have got in one or two playoffs. Uh, certainly 2012, they fell five yards short against Alabama. Uh, you win that game, you're playing Notre Dame, a team that got crushed by Alabama that year. So, uh, you know, he wins that game. He's maybe still the coach at Georgia. Um, but okay. Kirby, Kirby Smart uh, seems to have a little bit more, um, I, I wouldn't say fire. I mean, Mark Rick had a, had a reputation of, of not being a, a fiery guy, but he, you know, um, I think he he wanted to win probably as badly as Kirby, but you know, is there more of a single-minded focus on that with with Kirby Smart and his staff, especially on the recruiting trail? I'd say probably, um, you know, they're recruiting at a level that Mark Rick never did, and you're going to have like uh, you know Derek Brown here this week from Auburn, um, trying to remember if, if that was a Kirby miss on the recruiting trail or or a Mark Rick miss, but uh, there were a lot of defensive linemen that that uh, guys that went to Auburn, um, you know guys that went out of state um, that, that Georgia missed on that they don't really seem to miss on anymore. 
for the Missouri fans, I think it's off the top of my head, it's November 9th that they're coming from Missouri to Athens. Uh, what can they expect for game day in Athens? Uh, in November, it, I mean, Georgia will probably be about ready to clinch the East. I mean, given the history of what's been the last few years, or you know, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe yeah. Missouri's going to keep them from uh, from doing it. Uh, <laughs> it it's it's yeah. a really tough November stretch. I mean, Georgia should have, have a terrific record, assuming they get by Notre Dame, which I, I think is a double-digit Georgia favorite. They'll have Florida the week before Missouri. Uh, they'll have Texas A&M, I believe. No, they'll have Auburn the week after Missouri, and then Texas A&M comes to town. Uh, so it's it's a backloaded schedule, um, you know. Uh, every game in in Georgia, um, you know, it's a beautiful atmosphere with, with the uh, stadium on campus, um, and uh, you'll enjoy the press boxes at the 50 yard line. It's not moved out to the end zones like it might be at some places, and uh, uh, the bridge um, it, over one of the uh, end zones is is a nice sight, and, and there's a lot of traditions with UGA and. Uh, um, the hedges. So, uh, if you haven't been to Athens, and Missouri fans probably by now have been, the, the diehards, um, it's a special place for games. Best place to eat in Athens? Uh, I guess a lot of people say last resort. Um, you know, five and ten. Um, Hugh Atchison's the chef there, or the, or the owner there. Um, there's a lot of places. It's a great college town. I don't get out as much as I as I used to, probably. Sure. So uh, I'm not sure I know the, the latest hot trendy place. <laughs> <laughs> for for sure. Uh, and uh, I think we might have talked about this already, but being the first beat writer from another school that I've interviewed on the podcast, we're from this originally from the same county. Uh, grew, both grew up in Montgomery County, Maryland. But what what, what is it about you know SEC Media Days this time of year where everybody seems to be so high on what their potential is. Even, even I'm looking at the magazine right now, a team like Vanderbilt, a team like Ole Miss that might, you know, whose who seasons probably won't end in a bowl where people would bet they won't be ending in a bowl or both on Missouri's schedule, I believe, back-to-back weeks, actually, uh, they, they might end well. Um, probably because everyone's zero and zero, and uh, right. you know I, whatever changes were made in the off season with with coordinators. There's a, you know what, what is Rich Rod going to bring to Ole Miss? Uh, you know with, with Vanderbilt, uh, Derek Mason's. It could be an important year where where you know does he come back after this year if they don't crank it up a little bit more? I mean they have a new athletic director there that didn't hire him, um, but it's a different expectation at a place like like Bandy. Um, you know for Vanderbilt, uh, just beating Tennessee, getting to a bowl game is is a good season probably um for for Ole Miss it's probably you know trying to get that program farther and further away from their NCAA cloud and um you know uh, trying trying to make the most of uh playing a really really difficult division with with uh just getting beat beat up uh you know physically with uh, the Alabamas the LSUs the Auburns you is there a team among the 14 in the entire uh, league that you think will be the surprise team this year, either surprise good or surprise bad? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I'm curious to see what Tennessee's going to look like in year two under Jeremy Pruitt. Um, I don't remember what the final score was in, in Athens last year, but uh, Missouri, I think... Missouri blew them out. I'm sure Georgia blew them out. <laughs> Well, I mean, blowout. I mean, Georgia didn't have many competitive games necessarily. If you look at the final scores, but I, I kind of remember, given the talent level, that um, maybe Tennessee, uh, you know, gave a more respectable showing. And I don't, I don't think they're recruiting at the level that, that they need to necessarily to to, to make a push for you know. But Pruitt's a, another Nick Saban disciple. Um, he's kind of got that same edge that, that Kirby has uh, in terms of uh, you know three sixty five twenty four seven football. Uh, 
so you think that's going to translate over um, one way or another in Tennessee? I don't know how long it might take, though. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I guess final question for you would be, and I'm going to preface this with Missouri, I think, is one of four teams in FBS football this year that does not play five straight weeks. It's For them, it's Wyoming, West Virginia, SEMO, South Carolina by, four games by. The only way that they would play five straight games this season would be if they make it to Atlanta. Where do you see Georgia's schedule? If there's a game that might trip them up, if there's a, or there's a maybe, maybe a game that you know people are going to be talking about, like ooh, you know Georgia looked really. I don't know about that. It, 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 where would be a possible roadblock people might not be expecting for Georgia's schedule? Well, you, you talked about. I guess with with two open dates on the schedule. I mean, normally I would say you have Notre Dame, which is going to be like probably the biggest non-conference game uh, possibly ever in, in Georgia history uh, at home. Uh, I mean, Clemson back in the early '80s was was kind of that way too. But you know, you don't have the top teams in college football generally coming to Athens to play. Um, you know, Colorado came, Boise State came, um, but but it's a different deal. So I would say that that maybe Tennessee would sneak up on the week after but there is the open date so so maybe not there i don't know i mean um or is georgia the level i guess where if, well, you're gonna, I mean, if you're gonna be the number three team in the country at the at the least you need to, you, there's no such thing as a as a trap game i mean i don't think it's going to sneak up on them but but going to auburn is always difficult for georgia and it's coming after the missouri game and, and florida um that that's that could be i mean it depends you know how georgia is physically but i think they've recruited well enough that depth shouldn't be an issue so i don't know i mean um we'll see it's it's hard to i'd say yeah, I don't know. Not, not a good answer. Uh, like I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have expected. Uh, you know, last year was LSU where, where they they went there and and they stumbled. So uh, the road games against SEC West teams have given Georgia problems. It was at, at Ole Miss in, in uh, Kirby's first year. Uh, it was at, at LSU last year. Um, it was at Auburn in the 2017 season where they bounced back and, and made it to the national semifinals and then the the, the championship game. Uh, so I'm going to say the Auburn game is is probably the biggest uh, possibility for a stumble. All right, that was Mark Weezer from the Athens Banner and Herald. You can follow him on Twitter. I don't have your Twitter handle uh, memorized. How can how can people follow you? How can people read along with your work? Uh, it's Mark Weiser, M A R C W E I S Z E R. And uh, shout out to uh, Wooten Patriots uh, in Montgomery <laughs> County since uh, you mentioned that earlier. All right, thank you so much, Mark. Podcast is the Auburn football beat writer for the Athletic, Justin Ferguson. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Good. Justin and I uh, were originally friends of a friend, a mutual friend uh, in Justin Lee of the Opelika Auburn News, but now we kind of uh, have gotten to see each other actually like back-to-back weekends, both on a mini vacation in Dallas and then at SEC Media Days. So uh, hopefully Justin can uh, give us some insights into further into the SEC realm of football. Uh, first off, kind of your overall impressions of SEC Media Days, Justin. I thought it was a pretty low-key media days, honestly. There didn't seem to be like a real big uh, storyline or wasn't a big controversy. I guess Alabama going after Clemson, that whole back and forth was probably the most noteworthy thing. Uh, but other than that, it was pretty straightforward for a lot of teams. Um, came in with not a ton of uh, uh, controversy, and uh, it, was, it was a pretty – a pretty low key event. I, I thought that uh, you know it, it was it was a good one, but it wasn't one that you know, had a lot of uh, had a lot of the you know 
a drama that I think people try to generate this time of year just to get us something between now and the fall. You were, you were there all four days, so as, as kind of just a unbiased party, your thoughts on how kind of Missouri was treated and how they kind of did at yep. the event? Yeah, I mean, I, my thing with Missouri is I, I came into uh, media days not knowing a ton about this team uh, right off the right up front, and then you know Missouri comes in that first day, and I just I was really impressed by by the representatives. I was really impressed by uh, who they brought and, and, and kind of their message. And you know, when talking to some more people who know Missouri, uh, like, like you guys, I, I just find. Uh, myself kind of buying into this team more this year. And, you know, you don't want to have your opinion swayed too much on you know, what you hear at media days and what you see, but I'm, I'm really impressed with this Missouri team and the makeup of the team. I think it's very telling that, um, you know, they have this bowl, uh, bowl band come down on them and, and, and these guys had opportunities to leave and uh, they stayed back and they're rallying around Kelly Bryant. I think they've got a good roster around them like the experience they have at pretty much every level uh, of, of that depth chart. And, um, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do this year. I mean, it won't be easy, but I mean, you, uh, there's a way that this team could be seven or eight. No, you know, eight, no heading into Georgia, uh, which is, which is pretty, uh, pretty fast. It will make for a pretty fascinating um, SEC East race. I think, uh, I, I don't think Missouri will win the, win the East, but I think they'll, they'll really put a, a scare into uh, some really good things in the conference this year, for sure. I think you and I had uh, similar ballots in the fact we both chose Georgia to win the East, Alabama to win the West, and then Alabama to win in Atlanta, correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I tried to bat around the idea of putting Georgia over Alabama. I, I think Alabama has gotten outplayed the last two times they played Georgia, and it's just they've had these really big comebacks late. Um, I don't think they can keep playing with fire. But if I look at the two rosters, I mean, it's hard to pick against what Alabama's got coming back this year, uh, especially with Tua and, I mean, just that, that massive amount of talent they've got at wide receiver. Um, they're going to be able to carve some people up this year uh, yet again. And so I, I think it's hard for me to fully buy into to Georgia at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be Alabama's race yet again. I know we kind of mentioned that I mentioned this off recording to you on Monday, but it kind of seems in, in part like at least Missouri in terms of league wide relevancy might be 14th out of 14. They're kind of just maybe for lack of a better word, tolerated or, you know, yeah. still an outsider in the conference. What are your thoughts kind of on how they're accepted and in going into year seven? It's been that long going in the SEC. Yeah. Yeah. It really is fascinating because, you know, I, I culturally, I don't know if Missouri is a perfect fit for the SEC. Uh, I felt like, you know, the time I've spent up there, it seemed kind of Big Ten-ish. Or, you know, still the Big 12 feel kind of still gets there. But I, I felt like a lot of the – they felt kind of like a Big Ten school to me. Um, but I, I will say one thing about, about Missouri. They have uh, done a good job where, where they get overlooked a lot by uh, other, you know, fan bases in the league. They've done a good job of uh, really stepping up and and having some really good seasons. Um, you know, the, the East Division titles early on. I think uh, right now they are trending in the right direction again. Um, like I said, I really, really think they're going to grab the attention of some teams this year. And I think this is a kind of year when you go out and get a guy like Kelly Bryant, and um, you know you you have a chance to get off to a really good start uh, in the fall, you're going to have a potential to uh, to demand some more respect across the league. So I don't know if Missouri will ever be fully, you know, 
kind of accepted by every SEC fan base. I mean, you can talk to fans of South Carolina who, you know, they joined the SEC in the, you know, the 80s and they still kind of feel that way from, from, from that that kind of aspect as well. But, um, you know, I think Missouri uh, has done pretty well kind of operating kind of in the, in the shadows right now, so to speak, in the SEC. And I think uh, with a guy like Kelly Bryant, if they have a good season, they can, they can uh, grab some more attention for sure. Being a guy who covers, uh, I guess, one of the SEC Blue Bloods, comparing what you've seen to Auburn, comparing with what you've seen to Missouri, what would be a thing that, in your opinion, Missouri could do other than just winning and getting players like Kelly Bryant that could elevate them in that way? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing, the difference to me when I when I went to Missouri is like you can come football very important there, but I, I feel like it's just you know I'd like to see Missouri get to the point where, and it might just be one back when they get to be contenders again. I mean, just that energy, you know, that, that home field advantage. I know Missouri's capable of it. I know they had those great years in the Big Twelve. Uh, you know, when they were number one, number two, you know, those, those epic matchups with Kansas, and they had some really, really great seasons, and they've had some in the SEC as well. Uh, I just know that environment, you know, a couple of times I've been around Missouri, it's, it, it didn't really seem to click for me as, as much as it does at other places uh, across the conference. It's just got a different feel. And I think, um, you know, not to cop out, but I think it's just winning against it. I, I know if that stadium gets packed out and, and really excited about a you know a highly ranked team, they can bring that energy, they can bring that noise. That's the thing that I feel like Missouri kind of lacks compared to some of the other schools in the SEC now. Of course, it's a better, better environment than what you're going to get at Vanderbilt, and I'm not saying it's a worse environment than you're going to get at Arkansas or Kentucky uh, right now, uh, but it, it is a little different. And so I think um, – that's my big thing with Missouri is that you know they have the capability to really show themselves to be a real deal SEC football program. Um, I just think they need to the fan base needs to get you know super excited and behind these guys again because uh, I know they're capable of, of, of really turning up the volume and the intensity and, and making it a, you know making that uh, the stadium at Columbia you know a tougher place to play uh, for visitors. Is there a team in the SEC this year you feel is going to be a complete surprise, either surprise in the right direction or surprise in the wrong direction? Um, I mean, I really, like I said, I really like Missouri. I think Missouri gets a lot, uh, might not get a lot of credit ahead of the season. I just like the makeup of that roster. Uh, I'm very interested to see what South Carolina does. I feel like South Carolina, um, with, if Jake Bentley can really control his, his turnovers, uh, they've got a lot of potential on that team. They're recruiting at a, at a high, higher level. Recently, Brian Edwards is going to be one of the best receivers in the SEC this year. Uh, they've got uh, Javon Kimlaw, who's going to be a great defensive lineman. They've got some stars over there. And I think the schedule just doesn't do them any favors. Um, but I, I really like to, I really like to see where South Carolina ends up this year because um, I think, you know, outside of Georgia, the East, I'm not super sold on Florida yet. Um, so I feel like there's a team that could beat kind of like how Kentucky was last year and jump up and surprise everybody. Uh, I think it's going to be either South Carolina or Missouri. I I don't know if there's going to be a team that kind of falls apart this year. I think people are a little too high on Texas A&M right now. I don't see it quite yet in terms of the star power and the quarterback play. I think we all expect 
them to be a much better team this year because it's the second year under Jimbo Fisher. Such a great coach. Um, but I, I think they got a little too much rebuilding to do on the lines. Uh, their schedule is downright brutal, and I need to see more from Kellen Long before I believe you know, he's a guy that can you know make Texas A&M a contender. And we had Phil Steele on the uh, on this podcast last week from ESPN, and he kind of said that Auburn is one of the more not de- I guess divisive is the best word for it teams in the country. Mm-hmm. They have they have top ten talent, but maybe the hardest schedule in the country. How do you kind of assess yeah, I mean, things that because you cover them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a team that if everything goes right, you can see one in ten games because of that talent. Uh, this is also a team you see it could be fight for their lives just to make a bowl game this year. Uh, that's how tough the schedule is. You know, I think the big problem for Auburn this year is that, you know, they have experience in running back and receiver, offensive line. They have the best defensive line in college football coming into the season. Linebackers they're really confident in, even though they don't return a ton of experience there. Defensive backs, they only lost one start. Uh, one starter. They had one of the best special team units in the country last season. So everything is set for a really good team. You just have a quarterback battle where you've got two really young, talented guys, but they're both fresh. They've never done this before. Um, so you're throwing them into the fire against a really brutal schedule. So if Auburn wants to win nine, ten games this season and be a contender once they play Georgia and Alabama in November, um, you're going to have to win really tough games on the road uh, or away from home in general with freshman quarterback, with a freshman quarterback, whether that's Oregon in week one, uh, they got to go to LSU where they haven't worked in 20 years. Um, you've got to go to Texas A&M. You got to go to Florida. Um, you know these are really really tough road environments, and, and you have to hit all those before you even think about playing Georgia and Alabama at home later in the year. So um, this season can go so many different directions for Auburn. So if, if the quarterback battle can click, if, if the winner of the quarterback battle can click early. And Auburn can hit a good stride. They got some time to figure things out before they hit SEC play after that Oregon game. But on the flip side, um, you know, if it doesn't work out, they could really waste a lot of potential of this roster because, you know, if you're not you're not solid at the most important position on the field, uh, it could be a really long season uh, with, with the way the schedule is. Um, extremely tough. I think it's them, Texas a and South Carolina all have a good argument to say, hey, we have the toughest schedule in America. Where did you put them in your ballot? Did you put them four? I put them third. Uh, I put them above Texas A&M, and it's just because I'm just not I'm not super, like I said, I'm not super sold on Texas A&M just yet. They go to uh, College Station this year. Usually that would be, okay, that's bad news. Um, but I think Auburn, Auburn will have a couple of games, uh, easier games into it. They're not coming off of it. Uh, they're not having to go play at LSU and then at Texas A&M this year. That's going to be the SEC opener. They have never lost in College Station. Um, they've been able to kind of really battle away from home. Um, I think A&M's a team that will get better as the season goes on. Uh, but I like Auburn's talent right off the bat a little bit more. So that's why I have them above Texas A&M right now. And I think both of those teams just have brutal schedules. But Alabama and LSU, uh, more talented teams on paper, teams that, are, that have given Auburn a hard time uh, over the last few seasons. And uh, those are both going to be toughest matchups. That's going to be the toughest road game you play uh, at LSU for Auburn. And then Alabama, of course, is going to be the toughest team you play all season. I believe uh, Missouri and Auburn have only played on the gridiron twice since Missouri's joined the SEC, if I'm correct. The SEC championship mm-hmm. the year uh, Auburn went to the title game. And then the game before, Barry Odom uh, gave his now one of the more impassioned speeches where Auburn came mm-hmm. to Columbia and 
took Missouri to the woodshed. Uh, is there anything there that you see that is maybe why Missouri has a disconnect? Because you have such a large conference, you only get to play six teams yeah. out of the other 13 you get to play every six years? Yeah. No, I think that's a huge part. It's, it's really not a conference. And I've had this conversation with uh, you know, one of my colleagues that covers Georgia. Uh, Texas A&M plays Georgia for the first time since they joined the league. He's never been to College Station, you know. And so it's one of those things where you know, Auburn and Missouri don't play a lot. Auburn and Florida are playing this year for the first time. Uh, I think it's the first time in like seven or eight years. It used to be a rivalry that was played every single season. So expansion is good, you know, to what they did. They brought it in and everybody got to bring in more money and more exposure and all that. But we got to figure out a way to make sure these teams play each other more often. I'm a big fan of the, the pod system that, you know, guys like Bill Connolly have, have put out there. Um, I would like to see a system, and it is possible with 14 teams, where you play everybody every other year and you play everybody at their own place every four years. Um, that's to me that that would be more of a conference and i feel like you're absolutely right you know certain teams in the west like alabama and auburn uh and lsu and texas a&m well, some of these bigger name teams so, yeah, auburn alabama and lsu could feel a lot more of a connection to uh missouri uh just because uh they play each other more often and then, you know, is there a way or you mentioned some of those pods, but for people who don't know, what would be the ideal scenario for you? Is it minus the rivalry game like minus, I guess it would be from Missouri, Arkansas is the crossover game they get every year. Or uh, you can you can imagine that Missouri might have a couple more other rivals. I guess Kentucky's always a heated game now. South Carolina's always a heated game. Is there a system that you mm-hmm. think is the ideal way going forward? Yeah, I think uh, the pod system that I that I that I mentioned earlier. Uh, just a quick explanation: the way it would work is everybody would still play eight games, and what you would do is there's 13 possible opponents. You would play three every single year. So your three biggest rivals. You'd have to do a little funky math a little bit to try to get everybody lined up the best way possible. It won't, wouldn't be even for everyone, but you could try to get it as close as possible. And then you'd have 10 teams left over, and you play five one year, and then you play five the next year. And then you play the other five, and then the other five. You take that home and away. So Auburn would play Missouri every two years, and they would play, you know, in Columbia and in Auburn every, you know, every four years. And so a, a guy could sign with, with Auburn or Missouri, and they could say, you know, if you play four years here, you'll get an opportunity to play at every single, you know, campus in the SEC. And, um, you know, figuring out how those rivalries would work takes a little bit of cooperation and, but I mean people have kind of laid it out you know Missouri would, would be able to play A&M every year and play Arkansas every year and could probably pick up a, another really good game you know that they have in the SEC East that they like uh, you know and then on top of that they'd be able to play kind of every everybody else more frequently and so it's not a perfect system but it'd be a way to make sure that uh, you know these teams get to cross over a lot more often because there's some really good rivalries and there's some really good potential matchups that we just don't get to see very often in the SEC uh, because of the way the schedule sets up with the divisions. All right, that was Justin Ferguson from The Athletic. He covers Auburn football and a, a little bit of other stuff. I think he covered their run to the Final Four in men's basketball last year. Uh, and I think he might have gone to the College World Series with them when they went, possibly. Were you no, there? Nope. 
no baseball for me, but uh, yeah, I did cover do, do cover a little college basketball from, from the Auburn side, but uh, yeah, mostly football, especially nowadays. Uh, how can the kids find you on social media? How can they? I know you're a radio host yourself. How can they uh, hear your stuff? Yeah. All the all the above. Yeah, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at jfergusonau. Uh, that's the easiest way to get out with me. You can read my stuff at theathletic.com. Um, we've got always always got a lot of great stuff going on there. Uh, we just hired recently hired a Missouri writer, Peter Ball, um, you know, so that you can get your Missouri uh, content as well over there. Um, in addition to all the great stuff that uh, uh, it goes on in the beat at Missouri, um, and then yeah, I uh, I uh, co-host a show on uh, uh, here at Auburn at ESPNAU.com. You can listen to that from eleven to one central most weekdays. And uh, appreciate you having me on, Eric. Good to see you in Dallas. Good to see you uh, in, in Hoover, and uh, hopefully it'll be a little bit sooner before we cross paths again because, you know, Auburn and Missouri probably aren't playing again for another, you know, 15 years or something like it, that. It, it's 2022, but and, and, but by then, okay. uh, uh, what what will happen by 2022 by then? I, well, there will be, what, another Winter Olympics by then because there was one in 2018 <laughs> by, by that time? Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know what, yeah. what will have happened by 2022 the next time when Missouri is scheduled to go to Jordan-Hare for the first time. All right. Well, I appreciate once again, Justin, having you on and we'll get back to the uh, rest of the podcast. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you to both Mark and Justin for coming on our program. We very much appreciate it. Uh, Hopefully you guys liked it. We'll have way more of these going forward, Uh, probably starting with the Wyoming game. And then we'll get somebody from West Virginia, SEMO, South Carolina, on and on and on until we get to Arkansas after Thanksgiving. All right, Kevin. Well, after this long episode, we're just going to kind of plug everything that's been in the Tribune over the past week, I guess, or so, and then uh, let you guys go. Uh, You know, we also had, in addition to everything we already mentioned Mizzou-wise, we had a basketball media day today. Uh, I'll be doing a story on Drew Smith, either in tomorrow's paper based on time, if we're being completely honest, or in Sunday. And then you had a story about Mark Smith. Yeah, we're, we're they are into, unrelated. In, into Mark Smith there and, and, and Mark making his uh, his comeback from a, a foot injury. Uh, really a sharp shooter that shined uh, for Mizzou uh, early on last season, then went down and unfortunately was unable to finish uh, the season last year. That was nasty. I still remember that Arkansas game. That was a nasty. I've never seen a more nasty roll of the ankle in my entire life than Mark Smith had. And he was walking fine today. No boot, no nothing. And, and, he, and he's, he's back in, in practice. He's, uh, I, I think, well on his way to, to making full recovery and um, and definitely going to be a, a valued member of that that, that guard uh, oriented team that you, you got it. I mean, of, of course you got you got Jeremiah Tillman and, and others, but you got you got some real quality guards that uh, that Conzo Martin's going to have at his disposal this winter. We're so far from the season, but if I'm projecting a starting lineup right now for Mizzou, you got to think Drew Smith at the point, Mark Smith at the two, Jeremiah at the five. I'd probably go maybe like Mitchell Smith or Torrance Watson at the four, and then you know it's just it's tough to see. You know, there still are a lot of spots available, but there's a legitimate argument to make that three players of the last name Smith, who are all not related to each other, are going to be a Mizzou starting lineup come 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 October. But uh, yeah, some stories are coming up there. Uh, I think I released four stories from SEC Media Days in total. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, something like that. I definitely did two the first day, did one the next day, and then my column on Kelly Bryant, which I actually thought turned out really well. Hope, hopefully, you all read that. It was in, I guess, I guess at this point, Friday's edition. It was yes, just it's today. It's today, yeah, this uh, morning. Yeah, that feels like so long ago when I wrote that, and that was 24 hours ago. Um, 
and then obviously all the things about Susan and Wayne Krecklow and uh, I'll have something in, in Saturday's paper along with kind of the announcement of how quickly it happened in Friday's and then the sanctioned news in Friday's paper as well and then Kevin if you want to get into a little bit of your story you'll be writing for the two stories you'll be writing for Sunday sure. I guess well Josh and Molly uh, as, as we've talked about the, the Taylors now kind of taking the torch of, of leading Mizzou Volleyball that will be a, a Sunday feature uh, in the Tribune and uh, and the Mark Smith story probably look for that early next week um, just an update on you know I got to talk with him uh, this morning and just kind of get an update on on his health and also his uh, well what what he learned from his time just have, being forced to the bench kind of a new perspective of the game and now hoping to come back better than ever and uh, just the, the impact that he looks to make uh, again for Mizzou basketball this coming season. Uh, so look for that early next week, and um, and from there we'll uh, we'll get into. Uh, We'll get into football. We'll get into volleyball. We'll get into uh, soccer as we get into August, and uh, so stay tuned for for much more to come. Yeah, I think we I think we covered it all there. Yeah, I mean, kind of a longer podcast this week. Thank you for listening. If you're still listening, thank you very much. Hopefully, we'll make it a little bit shorter, uh, regardless of whether we keep it to one file or not going forward. Yeah, but uh, Kevin, give us the outro, and I'll uh, I'll I'll uh, end this episode for the Mizzou podcast. Until next time. to Mizzou's Sports Podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.